Okay. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the uh, 2020 Leadership Mindset Conference. I'm your host, Riley Jensen, and today I'm really, really excited to have uh, an old-time friend, uh, Matt Wells, uh, the head coach at Texas Tech, the Red Raiders. Um, he's an old friend. It's interesting. We never actually played on the same team, but we crossed over with a lot of teammates. He played quarterback at Utah State. I played a quarterback at Utah State. And it just feels like we've had a friendship for a long time. I don't know. I can't even remember where we started our friendship, Matt, but it seems like it's been a long I mean, I remember meeting with you clear back when you were at Louisville. I think you were coaching yeah. receivers way back when. And uh, I'd always heard great things about you from from teammates that were, were around you and were around me. And they're like, oh, man, you'd love Matt Wells. And then this is a blast from the past. My cousins uh, are Greg Raymond and David Kerr. And I think you were really good friends with Greg Raymond just in your undergrad at Utah State. And yeah. he was like, oh, you're going to love Maddie. You're going to love Maddie. And now – both of you guys are big time, you know. Greg is a CEO of a hospital in Colorado Springs, and we're right. at Texas Tech, so a lot of fun to have you on this show. And I appreciate you coming on, um, coming on today. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. That Aggie brotherhood goes deep. All those guys are good friends of mine, and and um, you know, I'll always be a Utah State Aggie. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun school to be a part of, and uh, we appreciate. As, as a Utah State alum, we appreciate all that you've done for Utah State because it's uh, it's fun to wear our Utah State sweatshirts around again because of you. So, um, and and now just personally, you know, I've got I got a little Texas Tech swag going on every time I'm I'm peeking at the scores and cheering for you and hoping hoping for the best. So, there you go, man. Right. You go. Mm -hmm. Side note: When I was a GA at North Carolina State, we played we played at Texas Tech. And Leach was the coach, and uh, yeah. you know there was it, it was a, it was a barn burner game. Phil Rivers was playing quarterback. Um, Texas Tech had all kinds of players at the time, and it was a, that was a really fun play place to play. And uh, good good memories of being down there. So anyway, let's uh, let's 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 start it off with a couple of these questions. And the idea, you know, obviously we've got coronavirus going on. We've got all kinds of adversity going on as far as all of our schedules have been just kind of rocked right now. And so I just wanted to talk to some of the leaders in the industry of coaching about their mindset and maybe if their mindset can help guide us a little bit through these rocky times. And so I'm just going to set you up with some questions and just let you go because I think if we can tap into some of your knowledge, this might be really beneficial to some of the people out there. But um, I guess to start out with, what, what would be your definition of mindset or, or men, mental toughness? Well, Riley, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't have a definition all perfect and, and pinned out. I just think mental toughness is um, doing what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it do the very best that you can, and you do it every day. Mental toughness to me is getting in a routine daily. Um, it's being who you say you're going to be. Um, you know, I think it, I think there's some lines that get blurred between the definition of maybe mental toughness and maturity. And this is something that I share with our players all the time is, and I say it's maturity, but it's really mental toughness is it's um, doing what you need to do because you're committed, not because it feels right or feels good. Because oftentimes there's, there's days that we don't feel good. You don't feel right. You don't want to wake up. You want to hit the snooze again. Um, you don't want to run. I mean, my gosh, right now you're out running by yourself. 
it's hard enough to run in a group, you know, but to try to work out by yourself, a body weight workout, a run, whatever we're doing, but um, you just do it and you go to work because you're committed. You're committed to a cause. And that cause is, um, you know, your why. I always talk about our whys. What, you know, your whys usually consist of a, of a human or a person or people. Um, but why are you doing what you do? And if you keep going back to that why, you do it because you're committed. You don't do it because you feel good. Because there's, um, you know, we beat Oklahoma State last year. Top 25 team here in Jones AT&T Stadium. It's first time Tech had ever beaten a um, top 25 team in quite a while. Um, and uh, we felt really good. And here we come. Let's roll in. 5.30 a.m. Monday morning. I'm ready to roll. I've already got my workout. 5.30, I'm, I'm going into my office because I feel good and I'm rolling. Next week, we play Baylor, another top 25 team losing double overtime. Late in the game, last second, you don't feel good. You feel deflated. You feel you lost. Well, I still rode my happy butt into that office, got my workout in, and then rolled right in at 5.30 Monday morning just because that's – I'm committed to the cause. That's mental toughness to me. And uh, that's an example of it just for me. But players have it. Coaches have it. Everybody, I think, doing things because you're committed to it, not because you feel right or feel good about it. Yeah, I love that. Well, you know – when when we talk about um, when we talk about motivation versus different things in sports psychology, I tell people all the time commitment is way way more important than motivation because motivation is fleeting, right? It's a feeling. You you can watch a Rocky film and feel motivated for a day, but can you be motivated for long term? That's commitment. So I, I tell people all the time commitment over motivation. I love that. I think I think that's fantastic stuff. Um, how do you, do, do you feel like mental toughness has shifted over the years or is it, has it remained constant? In terms of what? Just the, the way the players are, the way, maybe not the definition, but do you, do you think that there's been a change from back when, maybe when you were playing in high school and college to now, or is it, or is it, or is it a constant? Um, I think there's, I think there's still some consistency in terms of that, Riley. It may look a little bit different forever ago, but now it's getting longer, as you can see by this wisdom right here on my chin. Um, <laughs> you know, we got told what to do and we kind of said, yes, sir. Um, and now my children, I've got 17, 14 and 11, and I tell them to do something and they say, why? Well, my players say why too often, and that's okay. So that's the decade or the, you know, the era that they're in. Well, I'm in this era of coaching. I need to explain why. I think we still have mentally tough kids. I think mentally tough, um, and I don't think it's changed. I think what's changed is the coaches around them. I think the leadership around them. And when you allow things to happen and you don't hold kids accountable, um, you don't give them a tough love, um, you know, I hate hearing players coach. Players coach sounds like it's easy and soft. Um, I can be a players coach. I got hired to be a head coach. I didn't get hired to be their best friend. They got enough best friends, okay? But that doesn't mean I don't love them. That doesn't mean I don't care for them. But I think when you love someone and you care some, 
for somebody, I think you tell them the truth. You keep it red emoji 100. You keep it real with them, okay? <laughs> Just like I try to do with our, my, my three kids. And they know I love them, but that doesn't mean I tell them what they want to hear. And so mentally tough, I think, I think what's changed is more the coaches and the leadership. And that's allowed kids to get soft. Um, I mean, the kids that we had at Utah State when we were there, I think they're as, as uh, mentally tough and mentally strong as any of, this, any of the players I've ever coached. And we've got some kids here just like that at Tech. We need more of them. But I think, it's, I think it's the accountability. It's the standards that you hold and not dropping that standard. That's hard. Okay, yeah. It's holding that standard to be the standard, whatever it is, and not dropping it. And I, I think that's a definition of hard. That's hard because it's easy to drop it and let the kid feel good about himself and you feel good about not having to go through conflict as a head coach or, a, or, or an assistant coach. But I don't think times have changed. I think, I think we've changed or coaches have allowed that. Is it hard, is it hard to have to explain why all the time? Because I, I talk to coaches uh, yeah. and they've all mentioned that the difference is you have to explain why to people all the time. Is yeah. that yeah, I mean, yeah, because sometimes you'd like to go, well, geez, I didn't ask why. I mean, I didn't ask Jim Zorn and Bobby Petrino why. I just said, yes, sir, and I did it. Um, but I, I, I don't – yeah, I wish it. you didn't have to answer that all the time, but um, I also don't have to coach in 2020. Right. That's my choice. Right. So, um, and again, like I said, my, my, my children ask why. Um, and I don't like that either, but tell them, explain it. They buy in, they move on. Here we go. I love it. I love it. It's, I, I agree. I, when I talk to some coaches that get frustrated with it and they're coming into my office and talking to me, I'm like, well, I go, your job as a coach is to bring out the best in these players, right? So if they're asking you why and that helps bring out the best in them, then you got to answer the why, don't you? Like you got to change a little bit. It doesn't mean – you don't have to hold them accountable. It just means that you have to do one more layer to what's going on. So I, Riley, I don't think it's any different. You know, we, we as coaches want to and do call ourselves teachers. Well, what is, what do teachers do today? Well, when they, they have to reach a classroom and then they have to reach the individual student and each student learns different. Some are um, visual. Okay. Some are auditory. Some are more, whatever, what's it called? Kinesthetic. You, you're so smart. You got all those degrees. I didn't get all that many, but you know, some need walkthroughs more so they can feel it. Every kid's different. Well, you need to change coach. You need to change the way you're teaching. You know, you need to do it a little different, same material, same information, same expectations, but it's presented different. I don't think that's any different than having to answer the question. Why? It's the same. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Do you, how, how do you recognize a kid that's mentally tough that you're trying to bring into your program? Can you recognize it? You're talking about recruiting? Yeah, I'm talking about you're, yeah. you're bringing a kid into your program. Now, I know that you don't get every kid that you want. I mean, there's some kids right. it's really easy to see that he's mentally tough. But how do, you, how do you distill that? And how do you say, okay, if it's a tiebreaker between this guy and this guy, I know this guy's mentally tough and I want to bring him in. Is it, is it easy to see? Is it hard to see? Or do you just count on yourself being able to teach that mental toughness? Well, I know my profile of, of how I'm wired and I'm very much personally a 50-50 guy as in political 
and intrinsic gut feel. I'm, I'm pretty balanced. That's the way I make decisions. And what you just asked me, if someone knew the answer to that 100% or 80% of the time, they'd make a lot of money, they'd retire, they would be on a beach somewhere. Because Riley, I, yeah, I'd like to think that we see that in high school and um, in the recruiting process, but it's tough. It really is. You have to, you rely on coaches, you rely on parents, you rely on observing them in a workout. You only get to go out so many times. That's really hard. That's tough. When you see them, you know, overcome an injury or you see them overcome some type of setbacks, maybe you have a little bit more evidence, right? But Riley, just think about the question or just think of, uh, of another way that you asked the question. Think about the NFL. Now, this year is a little different with the coronavirus, but just think about them, the scouts, the college scouts, the position coaches, the coordinators, the head coach, the player personnel, the GM, all those. How many 30s for 30s do you see on busts? Not one of them decided in that whole process and spending all those thousands of dollars to investigate a certain first round draft pick they didn't say, oh, yeah, this kid's not mentally tough, but, man, we're fired up about him. No, they thought he was enough, and maybe it didn't work out. But even the people in the organizations that have the best money and the, the, um, the most resources, they make mistakes, too. And what you asked, it's a million-dollar question, and, and I don't know. We're still guessing. We're trying to take educated guesses, though. Sure. Do you feel like you've been able to – give yourself examples of where you've been able to groom that and help kids to be more mentally tough once they've gotten in. Maybe, maybe they weren't as mentally tough as you thought and they've been able to grow that way. Yeah. I, um, I think you can, I don't know if you can get them to be alpha males. Um, but I think you can get them to be good leaders. Um, and it's, and it's by accountability, daily accountability, setting standards. Um, weight room. Um, I think in, in college football, I think your strength coach has a tremendous influence on that. Tremendous year round. Um, and I think I've got one of the best in the business. He was with me since day one at Utah state and he's come with me since day one here at tech. Um, I hope he's with me a long time, but he sets that tone of accountability, discipline, um, but tough love. And he'll put his arm around them. He'll celebrate with them. But I think, when you get kids in a consistent program and, and the expectations don't change and the standards don't change, I think you can help that. I'm not sure you can skyrocket it, but I think you can help it. I like it. Let's, let's shift gears here just a little bit. And I want to talk maybe just a little bit more about you and your mental toughness. Um, what, what do you think is your, has been your biggest failure so far? And this could be, in, in life, this could be in your playing career or in your coaching career. And then how did you handle it? And what lessons did you learn from that? Oh. Well, I think anytime you don't take failure as an opportunity to get better, you're missing the boat. Um, you have daily failures, which aren't as quite as widely publicized. <laughs> um, and then, you know, Okay, I was just uh, giving myself some time right there. Um, <laughs> you're 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 a veteran to these interviews. I like. Oh, I think Riley. The first thing that comes to my my mind is our 2016 season at Utah State. Um, 
you know, we went three and nine. The only year we didn't go to a bowl game um, in the, I was there eight years, two under Gary as an assistant, six as the head coach. And it's the only year we didn't go to a bowl and went three and nine. And, um, you know, all the excuses were there. Injuries, um, year before lost, I don't know, six out of the nine assistant coaches. Um, tough, tougher year in recruiting. Um, lost some close games. Um, I didn't manage it near as good as I should have. Um, you know, I, I remember vividly the December of 2016 and just being in Logan in December, and that was not the norm, right, um, in terms of a bowl game. And um, I remember sitting down with um, that strength coach that I was just talking about and a couple of really um, trusted inner circle guys, um, three guys, and, man, we, we turned over every rock. We looked at core values. We looked at our plan to win. We looked at how we were teaching, how we, uh, what our off-season training was. Um, we looked at how we were recruiting, where we were recruiting, um, the kids coming in. Uh, what we were, what standards did we want? I looked at um, staff. I looked at the personnel. Um, had a couple guys leave. Made one change. Um, first time I'd ever done that ever. Um, hard, really, really, really hard. Gut wrenching. Um, but at the end of the day, I just said to myself, um, "Never again. This will never again happen on my watch." And that was just, I was so determined that that wasn't ever going to happen at Utah State. And I have a double layer at Utah State because it was mama mater. And, um, you know, I'd, I'd had opportunities to come back to Utah State as an assistant, and I didn't want to because I didn't want to put my name on it when I wasn't convinced. Gary had me convinced what we were going to do was right, and I bought into that, and that's why I came back in 2011. And then I was a part of a lot of success and really probably um, – and I know I'll get to argue with Phil Olson on this, but maybe the best decade ever at Utah State football and being a part of that, small part of it. And then here we are with a failure, no bowl game. And, you know, Riley, it was, it was hard. It was hard personally. It was hard professionally. Um, but, you know, all those, all those conversations and, and deep, deep, deep nosedives, you know what I came up with is we did make some personnel changes. I completely changed what we were going to do on offense and completely revamped it. Um, I think we just tightened up the rope on a few things, but there were a lot of things that convinced me that we're still right. Those core values didn't change. The plan to win didn't change. Um, how we were recruiting and really where we're recruiting didn't change. Um, who, you know, I was as a leader needed to kind of get refocused, to be honest with you. I needed to be a better head coach. I, the relationships with our players, I thought, had suffered a little bit because I was spending too much time in the offensive staff room, and I couldn't get out of there. And I needed to give this up. I needed to give that clicker up, and that's hard. And I did it. Um, and I look at that as a better direction, and we got the ship righted in the right direction in the next couple of years. Oh, I love it. I love it. So it feels like to me, if I'm hearing you correctly, that there were there were some small tweaks that took place. It, it wasn't necessarily the core, but like you, you were able to observe it and make some small changes, and it, and it led to huge results. <laughs>
in the next couple of years in the program? Does that, does that feel like? Probably the biggest change was the direction we were going on offense, hiring David Yost. Um, you know, me trying to go back to what I'd done four, five, six years earlier and in, in terms of the head coach, our player relationships, spending more time with our players, being able to get out in the middle of the morning and walk down those steps in the lob complex and go right into the weight room and be around those players a lot more. Um, I was missing that. Um, obviously, there were some staff changes, and those are hard, really hard. And um, But I think um, players' program reacted in the right way. Yeah. What's, what's your why? You talked about that earlier. What is your why? Um, what do you want your legacy to be? Well, I think those are two different – that's two different questions for me. Um, your why – why is um, – why are you doing this? I do – I feel called. I feel like the Lord has led me into this. I didn't feel called at 23 years old. I did it because I didn't know what else to do, to be honest with you. Um, and each year, really, I think I've grown in that. And I've seen that um, from trying to be um, – a position coach to getting to be a QB coach, which is what I wanted to do and call plays as the coordinator and, and, you know, be known as one of those young, great up and coming recruiters. And I did, I had all those aspirations and then it became X's and O's. And then, you know, I uh, was in the right place at the right time after coach left to go to Wisconsin. And, um, you know, when you talk about legacy, I don't, I haven't thought about that. I'm only going into year eight as a head coach, but, um, I would hope that, you know, players along the way, I've made mistakes. I've um, um, invested so much into a lot of players. I would hope that they say, you know, coach helped me go from a young man to a grown man. He really meant what he said about loving me hard, coaching me hard. Um, he helped me get my degree. You know, I'm proud to say that at Utah State, every kid um, graduated on time or early except four. And since then, three of those four have. Um, I'm very, very proud of that. We won games. We did it the right way. Um, all those kind of things. Um, but my why, my why is, um, you know, small town kid in Oklahoma fighting to get out, um, wanting to do something. Got a chance to play at Utah State. Uh, my why is, you know, I was two great parents. Um, you know, I do it for my mom now. Um, great high school coaches. Um, but my why is my wife and three kids right now. And um, it's not so much providing a way of life for them, but it does. Um, but just wanting to be successful for them um, to show that you can be a good dad and a good husband, uh, make mistakes like I do every day along the way. But um, you can win. You can win at a high level. Um, and you can be a great dad and a great husband um, along the way. I love it. I love it. What, what do you think your past coaches, are there any past coaches that stick out to you that, that taught you a good mindset or taught you mental toughness? Well, yeah, I think, you know, I, I think back to my high school coaches. Um, I was Riley small town. I played three sports. Um, a lot of those coaches were assistants in multiple sports, and those guys had a tremendous influence on my life. Um, that's been one of the blessings about being back here at Texas Tech and closer to home is I see them a little bit more often. They come to our games, which has been pretty cool. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I learned a lot of competitiveness, um, discipline from them. Um, 
And I think back to the two QB coaches I had there in, in Logan at Utah State, two drastically different personalities, um, but two guys that you could argue that are two of the best quarterback coaches in, the, in America, my opinion, um, even today. And that's Jim Zorn and Bobby Petrino. And those two guys are drastically different personalities. And, you know, I, I learned so much from both of them. Um, you know, you, you think of mental toughness, that is Bobby Petrino. I mean, coached by his dad, Carroll College. Um, I mean, I'm talking about a tough, tough mindset. You want it done right, do it yourself. I mean, how many times I heard him say that? So many times. Um, that, um, you know, has stuck with me. Um, for a long, long time. Um, you know, Z-Man, that one is a um, relationship that, you know, a naive 18-year-old kid going into Utah State, and, and here's Jim Zorn uh, being your quarterback coach for three years and um, as a coach. And then really, as I got into coaching, a mentor, and then now really a friendship. And that's changed. I've seen that change over almost 30 years. I'm 46, so I knew him at 18. Um, and he was a big reason why I went to Utah State and just a tremendous influence, um, you know, about, um, you know, mindset. I saw a guy, um, you know, again, I think he modeled uh, being a dad and a husband, uh, tremendous, and yet coaching at a very high level. Obviously, he rose, both of those guys rose to NFL head coaches and, um, you know, so very successful guys. But I think they had a tremendous influence on me as a player. Love it. Um, if, if I were to take a group of your peers and they were to, they were to fill in the blank that, that Matt will be successful because he blank, what, what do you think, what do you think it is that they say? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, but I know who I am and I'm hope, I'm hope we're successful here at Tech like we were at Utah State and I'm just going to be who I am and that's, I'm passionate. Sometimes that gets a little too far. I get, um, and I do wear those feelings on my sleeve. That's who I am. I'm not going to apologize for it. Um, I'm going to try to be the guy that outworks every head coach in the Big 12. Um, that also can be a fault of mine, and I've got to, you know, understand that um, sometimes it's not about working longer and it's more efficient and, um, and all that. Those are things I struggle with daily, but um, I would hope that those are the qualities that, that lead to success here at Tech, and success here at Tech is – changing the culture, getting us in that championship um, in the month of November. And that's the same two goals I had at Utah State or what I have here at Tech is to graduate every kid on time and to get to the month of November and compete for a Big 12 championship. And, um, and we're going to do it. We will do it. And we're changing this culture every day. And I think it's, it's a passion. It's an organization. Um, I'm trying to help set the culture. I hire great people and then I go let them do it. Um, what they do, I've, I've got three tremendous coordinators, um, football and then my strength and conditioning coordinator. Um, I hired the best nutritionist in the country um, and let her do her deal. I just try to do the culture and then I try to help recruit and develop. And that's what I can do is acquire talent for this program and recruit and then help our guys develop them once they get in here. And that's, that's really my role. So if I do that with a tremendous amount of integrity and passion, care for the kids, and the relationships build, we will be successful here. Oh, I love it. I love it. All right, two last questions for you. If you could give yourself advice 15 years ago, what would it be? <laughs> uh, 
you know, I don't know, you don't know this. We didn't have enough lead time into this interview, but I got asked that question a couple of days ago on an interview. Okay. Um, and I'm going to give you the same exact answer because it's true. Um, the advice I would give myself would be more worry about what you can control. Um, you know, I always, you know, when you're trying to climb that career ladder a little bit, um, you're being patient, you're being loyal, but you, you're trying to climb that ladder. Um, I think, I think you probably had some undue stress about things that you had no control over. Um, but you know, Riley, honestly, like when I look back and think about it, I'm going into year 24 of coaching, um, all here in college. Um, I wouldn't change anything. I really think that the Lord, as I look back on it now, sure couldn't during the be a head coach because that goal setting, I didn't have that as a goal. Um, and that's a whole nother question about goal setting that I have a just direct opinion on. Um, but I just kind of kept climbing the ladder and all I really want to do is call plays at Utah State at my alma mater. But as I now, as I look back as a head coach and I look back on the experiences that I had or endured, however you want to look at it, I think it's prepared me for being in this role as a head coach. Um, I tell young coaches a lot, five different times in my career, I didn't have a job. Okay. Um, twice we were fired as a staff because we didn't win enough. And we all know what we signed up for. I know that. And that's, that's the easy one, right? Um, unless you have a wife that's pregnant with no insurance. And I had that at one point <laughs> after year five at the Naval Academy. But I was also on a staff that won and flipped a program, went to three bowls in four years. And, and the head coach took another job and I didn't get to go with him because of a numbers thing. As a young coach, I didn't understand that. I've been loyal. I, we did well. My position played well. I had an All-American. I had an NFL draft pick. But I didn't get to go because of another issue. I was also on another staff that had success, and the coach retired. Well, as an assistant, every one of those scenarios to your wife and to your kids looks exactly the same. Right. I don't have a job, and I'm looking for a job. And, and um you know, as I look back now, there were guys I didn't get to bring to Texas Tech, and, and um, that was absolutely crushing. Um, and I hope we handle it all as a pro in the right way. And I've had to make a couple changes as a head coach, and those are hard. Um, and I've, I've, I just think there were experiences maybe that I experienced and the Lord had all that, come, you know, planned out. And I can look back and say, I know what you're going through because I went through it. And I'm very careful to, to not say that unless I have gone through it. And so I wouldn't change anything. Yeah, it's a, it's a great path. It's a great story. I remember, I remember at least one of those times when you were out of a job, you and I talking. And, uh, you know, it's not, a, it's not an easy profession. Your profession is not for the faint of heart. And you've been incredibly resilient and incredibly uh, just a great example of grit. And like you said, passion and hard work. I think, I think those two things describe you perfectly, in my opinion. Um, thanks, for, thanks for sharing that. Uh, the last